You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Uh, if you're joining us online, hello, welcome here. Glad that you join us online. Uh, excited to have you. My name is Glenn Kyle, and I am um, I'm one of you. I, I attend here with my family. Excited to have the privilege to speak at Hope. This is the second time I've spoken, so if you uh, are new, we're excited to have you here. Uh, like many of you, I come as a volunteer. I have the opportunity to share with what God's put on my heart for years. If you're present today and don't have a Bible, we have one for you. So put your hand up and be like, I need a Bible. Um, love for you to look into the Word of God. If you're joining online, I encourage you to maybe even pause if you're coming later and grab your Bible or turn up the volume and run to your room and grab it wherever it happens to be. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, then please open it and uh, turn to the Gospel of Mark. That's where we are in our series right now. My message today is entitled, uh, Sabbath to be or not to be. And today we're going to pull three instructions out of the text. Uh, before we get into that, I'll just tell you a story, just kind of a little bit of uh, get to know me a bit. When I was a little bit younger, I was a youth pastor. And um, I got the opportunity to be a youth pastor in Kamloops, British Columbia. And as a young youth pastor, I was single. I wasn't uh, married at anybody to kind of no girlfriend, anything like that. And so I had uh, quite a bit of time on my hands, <laughs> lots of things. I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? One of the things I knew that I needed was to set aside some time to be with God, to spend some time uh, to have a Sabbath, a moment where it's like, okay, I'm going to spend time with God. But I didn't really know how to do that. And so lots of people talked about water and different things like that as being kind of soothing for their soul. And so where I lived in Canada, it's actually kind of in the middle of town. And so you'd be a little bit surprised to find that there's actually like this stream right behind where my house was and actually a little waterfall that came out of the ground, essentially. So, you know, you, you know, up above it, there was no stream. And all of a sudden there's this stream and a little waterfall. And so I was out on an adventure one day and walked back there. And, you know, in order to get there, you kind of have to jump across some rocks and kind of get up. And all of a sudden you get to this beautiful little waterfall that's just kind of there. And I got there and I'm like, oh, this is, this is a really cool spot. And then I thought, I'm like, oh, this is actually, I think, where I would like to come on my Sabbath, on my day of rest. And as a, as a pastor on Sundays, I often was really busy, and so I chose Saturday as my Sabbath and took some time, and, and I would go there and just spend some time with God. I, I made it my routine every Saturday uh, to go to this little spot just to spend time with God, and I'd kind of walk across these rocks. And all the times I was there, maybe for several years I would go on Saturdays, maybe once or twice somebody came because when you come up the creek, there's like the waterfall, and then there's nothing else. Like on either side of this little creek, there was like sharp edges right up the side. So nobody was really there. And so I gave myself the freedom. I'm not a great singer, but I would start off my time with God by singing, just like we just did. I would sing out to God. I'd call out some of my favorite songs and just worship him. And, and then I would, you know, play in the creek. I'd move some rocks around and see if I could redirect the water or something and just, just talk to God while I did that. And then you know, I'd spend some time opening up the Word of God and reading that, and then I'd sing some more, and I just spent time with God, just kind of hung out with Him, and just, just enjoyed the time to be with Him. Um, it became part of something that, you know, if I, if I missed it, I was like, I, I missed something this week. There's, it became a part of my relationship with God. The scriptures I, I, I read, the, even just moving the rocks in the creek and just kind of spending time there, the relationship with God that it created it created this peace in my life that, that has continued on, the desire to be with God. And like I said, I missed it. If I wasn't there, if God wasn't there, I'd really miss that time. 
Ironically today, I feel like, um, maybe not ironically, I think I need to make a case for Sabbath. That, you know, for some of us, maybe that's not part of your rhythm, part of something that you do. I think in our church society, we've decided that having a day of rest is optional. I admit, even with me, that I, with all my desire and all my history of the different ways that I've spent time in Sabbath, I find it difficult sometimes to put aside some time to spend with God. I find it difficult to actually set aside a day to be like, okay, I'm going to spend this with you, God. Maybe you're the same as me, or maybe you've got a great routine of Sabbath, which is, which is amazing. I believe that hope as a church, that we would land on the idea that Sabbath, as commanded by the Old Testament law, is something we no longer follow. Because if we were under the Sabbath of the Old Testament, we would have to keep the entire law, which would mean observing a host of Sabbath regulations. Even so, the Sabbath, I believe, still stands as wisdom. There isn't a commandment in the New Testament to eat healthy food or drink water or to sleep eight hours a night. That's just wisdom. How God created us, set up our human bodies and, and the world itself. So I believe you can skip the Sabbath. It's not a sin. It's just unwise. In my life, Sabbath's been something which I've needed and I've read extensively kind of across the spectrum, probably in the neighborhood, like with chapters here or there, 15 to 20 books on Sabbath, because as a young pastor, I, I realized I needed this. I needed Sabbath. It was a really important part of me. And today I'm going to highlight for you what Scripture says about Sabbath in this passage that we're talking about and some others. But it's possible that nothing that I say today is new, <laughs> other than the stories I tell, because I've have so many different people that have spoken to my life through Sabbath, through books and different people. And so um, this is kind of a regurgitation of like many, many years, probably 20 years of me reading and understanding and looking at Sabbath. Which leads me to the question for you and maybe as you're processing Sabbath, why did God create Sabbath? How many people who attend Hope here regularly practice a day of rest, a Sabbath? That's the, something that's going through my head. Why... Why do people um, understand Sabbath is important or not? How do you do Sabbath and, you know, some of your parents? How do you do Sabbath with kids? <laughs> is Sabbath all about me or is there a sense in which community is involved? How does work relate to Sabbath? Is Sabbath life-giving for those who practice it here with us? Those are things I was thinking about and wanted to kind of lay them out to get you thinking about Sabbath as well. There's a sense in which Jesus came to reframe Sabbath when he was here on earth. It seemed like there were some core practices of Sabbath which did not align with what Sabbath was meant to be. So today my message entitled, Sabbath to be or not to be. And maybe you've already come to that decision in your mind, and I hope today I help encourage you or maybe help you reframe it a little bit. So there's three instructions that, I, I'm gonna, that I've kind of gleaned out of the passage here. Uh, number one, experience Sabbath as freedom. Number two, human need is more important Sabbath. And number three, Sabbath was designed to return us to God. So before we jump into our text in, in, in Mark today, I want to kind of unpack some context of Sabbath just to kind of get us all on the same page. Genesis 2, verse 2 to 3 says this, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God rested after he created the world. When we think about our existence, we often view our weeks this way. We work all weeks so that we can have a rest. Later, the Israelites were made to stop from taking a Sabbath by becoming slaves in Egypt, so their time kind of changed. When God freed the Israelites from captivity in Egypt, God gave instructions again for the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. God commanded Moses to rest, not as a punishment, 
but as a gift. We know from Exodus 12, verse 40, that the Israelites were in Egypt for 430 years. From Exodus 1 to when the new king came into power and put Israelites into slavery until God used Moses to free his people. They did not have any days off. They worked every day. When God came back to this idea, it was again meant as a gift. To have a Sabbath was a gift. And it also served as a caution to stay away from the way of Egypt. And the Sabbath became a rebellion from Pharaoh and his slave drivers. I read that somewhere. I like that idea. It's like rebellion, pushing away from the way things were. Exodus 20, verse 9 to 11, it says this, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It was a commandment that was part of the creation order. More than a commandment, it was permission to just stop, to be. It was an opportunity to focus on God, to go to the temple, to hear from the Bible, to be in community, just like we're doing today. We see God take the first day of rest in Genesis. We see Sabbath commanded in Exodus to God's people. Yet we land hundreds of years later to the present or to the time of Christ where we're going to be looking at, appearing that Sabbath had turned away from the gift God had commanded it to be and reorient the hearts back to remembering God as a marvelous creator to be worshipped. And anchored to every rule and regulation to its utmost precision, loosening the purpose and yet tightening the noose of perfection. Today we're in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark presents Jesus as the perfect servant and preacher. Last week, if you were here with us or you joined us online, Brett shared with us about a relationship we can have with the bridegroom, with the relationship with Jesus, that he comes and he, he offers us relationship. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark's writing about conversations that Jesus is having with the scribe and Pharisees, and we start to get this um, pressure that's starting to mount from this passage and others, where the Pharisees' job, they were like, it's my job to, to contain and hold the integrity of Scripture, Right? like some people nowadays who it feels like it's their job to find wrong teaching. I hope today you'll give me grace and hear the heart of the message of Sabbath and how Jesus was trying to reframe the way Sabbath was and is experienced. So let's read together. Uh, you hopefully got your finger in Mark chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 23. Mark 2, verse 23. This is what it says. One Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they passed their way through, the disciples began to kind of pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So what was unlawful about this? To work. We are called to work. I think for us to have a good theology of Sabbath, we need to first have a good theology of work. So let me unpack work just a little bit for you. Colossians 3, verse 23 to 24 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, not for your boss, but for God. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is Christ the Lord you are serving. If you're working for God and not for human gain, God is God honored with your work. I believe we're designed to work. In the Garden of Eden, before the fall of Adam and Eve, in fact, we worked. There wasn't part of the fall. The design of who we are is to work. 
In fact, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8, Paul says we are God's fellow workers. Or other translations say we are God's co-workers. God works with us. Sometimes I feel like I'm working for God as an employee. However, this means we're not just working for God. As Paul often references being God's servant, we're also working with God. This, I love this, this ties into the Reformers' belief in this idea of the priesthood of all believers. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim with the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are the priesthood of God ushering people into relationship with Jesus. All of us are to work as God's representatives. Your nine-to-five job, whatever it is, is a calling from God to work. You're going to school, you're a student, it's a calling from God to work. Whatever it is you do, you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a, a grandparent, whatever it is, whatever work you do, that is a calling from God. Whatever you do, do it as in, unto Christ, serving Christ. It's like we're kind of bivocational, both working our jobs and co-working with Christ. Here's the question, though. Are you honoring God by choosing to stop work and be with God each week? If you're working for God and one of the rhythms is God asking you to take a break, do you do that? And if you are choosing not to rest, then what does that tell you or me about why you're working. When we see our work as part of God's design for us, it makes a rhythm of rest more rich. So work is good and right and something we can enjoy as good and right. So let's get back to the passage. Disciples are walking through the grain fields and they're upset because they're like picking grain. Again, it's about the work. Because Deuteronomy 23 verse 25, it actually says people are permitted to pick some grain from your neighbor's grain field as long as you just pick it with your hands. So they're picking with their hands, the objection is focused not on fasting or the grain, but doing these things on the Sabbath. The way the religious leaders had done things is they had taken all the commandments of the Old Testament, and not only had they done that, they had added extra laws to make sure that you didn't break the actual law. So here's the law. We're going to do all these things as well just to make sure that you don't break the law. In the CFM Shabbat 7.2, there were one less than 40 acts forbidden on the Sabbath and reaping was one of them. The disciples are not supposed to be working and picking grain, was working according to the Pharisees. From the perspective of the Pharisees, they were protecting the tradition of the Sabbath, and that was part of their job. We protect the integrity of Scripture. That's something that we try to do at Hope. We're like, hey, we need to protect what the Scripture says. So that was a good thing, and yet it kind of had got off track a bit. So the first instruction for Sabbath rest that I kind of gleaned out of this is experience Sabbaths as freedom. Jesus was backing up his disciples, the freedom to pick some grain. The Pharisees are saying, what about the 39 rules we have for Sabbath? The disciples were chatting with Jesus, in relationship with Jesus, maybe running their hands over the top of the grain. I don't know if you've ever walked in grain fields. Picking a few heads, eating them. Maybe you're like me and you found um, Sabbath a difficult thing growing up. You know, when I was a kid, we, um, Sabbath was, was Sunday, and so we, we took Sunday, but Sunday was, was like a lot of rules, you know, like 
everything in my town was closed on, on Sunday. It was like everything was closed and you couldn't get things except for 7-Eleven. You know, you went to church in the morning and then, you know, you hung on the afternoon. Things were kind of like closed off or whatever and you couldn't do anything. And then right when Disney was about to start, we had to go to our evening service. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, I don't know, some of you are older, remember that. Um, but, um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. It's like, ah, oh, I wish that I, I didn't have all these rules and regulations. It felt like this, this stringent kind of like, ah, I didn't, I didn't love that part of it. As I said before, even the time of Christ, Sabbath seemed to be full of these rules and regulations, all the don'ts instead of all the do's. For me, I've come a long way on this. Um, when I was in Bible college, I actually was pretty legalistic about this. I, I was like, okay, Sabbath, I gotta have a Sabbath. So Sunday's Sabbath, so I'm gonna have Sabbath from like midnight to midnight every, every week. And, and so that's what I did on Sundays. I, I would make sure, and I, I look back at myself, I'm like, what was I thinking? I was like so legalistic about it. I would actually like wait till midnight and then at 12 at 1, if I had a paper due the next day and I wasn't finished, I would wait till 12 at 1 to finish my next. I'm like, why didn't I just do like sundown or sundown to sundown? No, no, no. I was like legalistic about it. Like it's got to be done this specific way. Not even looking at scripture, but I had made rules for myself that I wanted to follow because I was, my heart was in the right place, but I had made all these rules for myself, which actually was robbing myself of relationship with Jesus and just kind of following the rules. And that's what the Pharisees had started to do. They made all these rules that it made it hard to actually just be with, be with God and spend time with God. They made these regulations and everybody was like so careful not to break the rules that they kind of started to miss it. And Jesus came and he was trying to pushing against that saying like, oh, maybe it's not quite exactly the way you've got it. Maybe it's more like this. And he starts to kind of change things a little bit. Just like me, my, their hearts may be in the right place, but they kind of had got off kilter a bit and Jesus came and kind of wanted to change things. So let's, let's set aside our preconceived thoughts and feelings and visualize the moment of the scene the Pharisees were witnessing. The scene was permissible to Jesus, yet not to the keepers of the law. This is Jesus' response to the Pharisees. In verse 25, And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus does this all the time. I don't know if you read through the Bible. He's like, people ask him a question, he's like, I have a question for you. <laughs> he doesn't answer the question, he answers it with a question. So why are the disciples doing this? Jesus answers, well, why did David do this? What Jesus is referencing is 1 Samuel 21, verse 1 to 6. There was to be 12 loaves of bread, baked and placed on the table, the table in the holy place of the Sabbath. That is a really big truck. Holy smokes. It's awesome. Diesel. There you go. Each week they were replaced by fresh bread and the old ones were to be eaten only by the priests. Although David's actions were not correct, he was not judged for it because David was on a holy mission. Seems as though Jesus was admitting to breaking the law, although under certain conditions violations were okay. In other words, Jesus was making a case for this. Human need is higher law than religious ritualism. I found that in a commentary that I was reading. Human need is higher law than religious ritualism. Again, Sabbath is meant as freedom. Freedom from the tasks of each, each week. Freedom to not get so caught up in the rituals we don't have time to see the needs of those around us. So the second instruction for Sabbath rest is this. Human need is more important than Sabbath. And I'm going to pack a little bit more to kind of prove my point. I'll say we need to balance human need. The need to feel important in our culture at times takes the form of busyness. Uh, I'm too busy to 
go to church, or I'm too busy to, to do this thing, or I'm too busy to join a small group, I'm too busy to join a team at, to serve at Hope, I've I got too many things going on. But we can wear busyness as a sign of importance or status. Busyness is kind of like the weather. Everyone complains about it, but few people do anything about it. <laughs> I read that somewhere. I thought that was kind of funny. A few books I've read showed these Chinese symbol for busy when talking about Sabbath. The Chinese symbol for busy combines the pictographs heart and death, suggesting that busyness kills the heart. The implication is when we are too busy, it impacts our hearts. I've observed myself and others like to be uh, fidgety, and the digital age, along with all our consumeristic culture, makes us even more restless and busy. We feel more busy because of being so connected. But Jesus modeled a different way. Even more than just a Sabbath day, a way to live throughout the week which reflects the way of Jesus. Sabbath is a way of saying, I'm not too busy for God, and allows us to take time to listen to God, to know that we are loved. Sabbath challenges us to not be busy for a day. I was chatting with a gentleman after a Bible study or our prayer meeting at Hope a couple Wednesdays ago, and we were talking about neighbors. When he was growing up in another country, he worked, all the men, they worked from sunrise to sunset, and then in the evening, they would go outside and talk to their neighbors. So when he moved into his community here in Kelowna, he started going out in the evening, and he was surprised as he met his neighbors that none of them had met each other. <laughs> They were so busy. We, we, merit, we wear this uh, busyness almost as a badge of honor. How are you doing? Busy. Too busy to have time to even meet our neighbors. We're the most digitally connected world ever, and yet people are lonely. Maybe even your neighbor is lonely. Sabbath is an invitation to combat loneliness and those around you. The human needs of others is part of the Sabbath. The law and the prophets are summed up to this according to Luke 10, 27. Love God and love yourself. No. <laughs> love God and love your neighbor. This aligns perfectly with what Jesus says next. Look at verse 27. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, we're getting it backwards. The Sabbath is meant to help you. Help people be with man. We don't serve the Sabbath. The, service, the Sabbath serves us. We don't put aside our neighbors to have Sabbath. We care for those around us as part of Sabbath. There are many other times when Jesus broke the Sabbath law, according to the Pharisees. And there were three accounts, actually. And the same, this, this story that I'm reading to you today is actually in three accounts, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But right after this same story, we're looking at today, Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Again, Jesus is proving, not your laws, but I am Lord. I am in charge of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, Jesus was again caught healing people on the Sabbath. Then again on another Sabbath, Jesus healed an invalid and took him up to, and told him to pick up his mat and walk. <laughs> Three times Jesus was saying, human need is more important than Sabbath. And you know, uh, in John 9, Jesus heals a man born blind on the Sabbath. Interesting how often Jesus healed on the Sabbath almost like he was saying Sabbath was designed for healing. Would a regular day of rest provide healing for you? The Pharisees and teachers of the law were upset. Six other days you can heal, but not on the Sabbath, they told Jesus. You know who didn't care if it was the Sabbath? The people Jesus healed. 
The man who was healed, Jesus said, pick up his mat and go. The teachers of law were so blind, all they could see was the infraction of picking up the mat that they missed the miracle of the man being healed. Then later, Jesus heals the blind man on the Sabbath. I love it. I love it. He's like, he's just pushing aside and saying, hey, the people are more important. The Sabbath laws are not important. People are important. Jesus was showing he is Lord of the Sabbath, showing that the Sabbath was made for the good of others. So the third instruction for Sabbath rest is this. Sabbath was designed to return us to God. It's a chance to get full of God, to spend time with God. You know, when I'm full of food, I don't have as many cravings. The same is true when I'm full of God. I don't need the the fancy car or the new shoes. I live in this attitude of gratitude. I found that in one of the books I was reading. I love that idea. Getting full of God. I don't need all the extra things. Mark finishes by reminding the viewers Jesus is the Son of God. And because of this, Jesus can determine the law's use. It's designed to provide rest from labor and opportunity for worship, to play and pray. When we disrupt the system of six days of work and one day of rest, we, we deprive ourselves and actually those that we love. The reality is if we say we will stop, then work, when the work is done, we won't actually ever stop because the work is never done. It never feels finished. This is an act of obedience to put aside our work because our work will actually still be there tomorrow. In 2016, I decided to start uh, a master's in leadership at Royal Ridge University. At the time, we had a one-year-old, a five-year-old, and a six-year-old. And then about halfway through my master's, about a year into my master's, we actually adopted a a child into our family. So we had four kids. It was crazy times. (laughs) Here I am, you know, working for, like working full-time and then full-time schooling, which lots of my co- colleagues were actually not even working. They were just doing full-time school. Early on, I decided I would take a Sabbath from 5 p.m. Friday night till 5 p.m. Saturday night. Finally, I had learned I don't have to do midnight to midnight. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And for, for us as a family, it was, it was huge. Um, to not work my full-time job as youth pastor or do my master's studies, it was life-giving for me and I believe for my family. It forced me to trust God that he would help me finish everything I needed to do in the time that I had available. And actually maybe at times even to be okay with a B plus instead of an A or an A plus. There were times I wanted to give up or thought, how do I balance all these things, you know, trying to balance everything together. And yet, God was faithful to me and to our family. To know that they were set aside with with my family, to be present with them. We'd often start off with a, a movie night on Friday night, which is a tradition that we've continued on. You know, after a 10-hour day of doing schooling on Friday, we'd just have a movie night, and we'd hang out together as family. And then we'd sleep in the morning. We'd get up, and, you know, i let my wife sleep in because I was often gone early in the morning. It's like her sleep-in day, and I'd be on lunch duty. And, you know, if the tides were right, we lived in Victoria at the time, I, I would kind of watch the tides, and if there was low tide, they'd be like, hey, guys, let's go down to the ocean. And so I'd get my kids, and we'd go down to the ocean. And, you know, if you pick up rocks, because, like, little crabs would be underneath there. So we'd, like, look at the crabs. And, and that's when I would do my Sabbath. I would walk along the beach, and I would start singing out to God. And my kids would run up to me, and we'd chat. And then I'd, you know, walk a little bit more. I'd pull my phone and read some scripture. And it became this rich time with God. And even in the midst of distractions, having my kids there, I'm like, no, this is my day with God, and I'm going to focus on God. And my, my kids would hear me maybe singing or, or praying, and I just prayed out loud because there was this huge beach and the sand was like long because the tide had gone way out and we just hung out together. We just spent time together. And I focused and I said, okay, God, this is my time with you. I believe that God 
desires for us to be in his presence. And we don't have to work for it, not to appease God, but just to be with him. So what are or is the barrier to you taking a day of rest, a day to focus on God, to set it aside the different things that you maybe feel like you need to do? I've heard the quote a few times, I don't know where it's from, we are human beings, not human doings. Set aside all the busyness. There are times we need to stop the busyness to work from a place of rest instead of constantly needing rest from work. Because our value is found in Christ instead of whatever it is that we do for work. I've often wondered what does having a Sabbath actually look like? And I've been trying to unpack a bit of that for you with some of my stories. I was reading a book, and the author teaches an um, preaching, exegetical preaching. His name is Dr. Haddon Robinson. He was one of the profs that I studied when I was at Bible college. I don't know all of his theology, but one of the things I really appreciate about what he said is this. Sabbath means that you do something on that day that is different from what you have to do the rest of the week. Romans 14, verse 5 says, One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, no day is more special than the other. So if you work on Sundays, maybe you set aside another day to spend time with God. Just having a day where it's like, this is set aside for my relationship with God. I want to know him. I want to have a relationship with him. Romans goes on to say, so each of us will give an account to God himself. There are things which my wife and I don't perfectly align on theologically. However, I often say to her, when I die and stand before God at judgment, you, or when you die and stand before God at judgment, you're going to have to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account. If you have a conviction before God, then follow through with your convictions. It seems from my study that the heart of Sabbath is to play and pray. I once read that the golden rule for Sabbath is to cease for what is necessary to embrace what gives life. Sabbath is a reprieve from doing what you ought to do the list of oughts, the endless lister nests that are never done. Sabbath's day, you trade places with them. The day you turn whatever you put off and pushed away for lack of time, lack of room, to do your get-tos. I get to do this. I get to have time with God. Again, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. My kids, um, they love right now to make like little movies, and so they'll, they'll borrow a phone, or they have like kind of our old phones that they use, and they'll videotape each other, right? Making movies and stuff like that, and they'll come up with a script, and they'll videotape it. Um, it's, it's really fun that they, they do this, and they're kind of like, this is their like fun way of kind of connecting and like hanging out together. But my brother, he actually does that for a living. He makes videos and stuff like that. So for my brother, that would not be a day of rest for him, making more videos. But for my kids, it's their day of rest. So it's not a legalistic rule following, this is what I'm going to do in my day of rest. Whatever it is that gives you life, that gives you the feeling like, oh yeah, this is great, I enjoy this. If you're like a commercial fisherman, then you wouldn't fish on your day of rest, but maybe some of you love to go fishing. And that's their time with God. Whatever it is that gives you connection with God, it's just like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend time resting and relaxing. I recently heard someone from another country was very taken by our storage containers and storage centers, which are kind of right around here actually. They said something along this. So let me get this straight. You have huge houses to hold all your stuff, and then you have so much stuff that you don't use that you actually buy storage containers to hold the stuff that you don't use. He's like, it doesn't make any sense. But that's our culture. We delight in stuff. It's like, our, what do we have? Who has the most toys? Who has the most things, right? We become so stuck in that, in that, that mentality. Sabbath reminds us to actually set aside all of our stuff and maybe to delight in people 
to delight in God, to delight in being near to God as we, speak, as we seek to keep the Sabbath holy. Again, we are human beings, not human doings. Maybe even caught up in the culture and the cult of productivity and getting stuff. We need to become free from productivity to acknowledge we are sustained by God and not ourselves, to experience time with God, to set aside a day. Lord of the Sabbath, growing in God, remembering him, worshiping him, gaining a knowledge and understanding of him. We can tend towards viewing God in unhealthy ways, and I do this, and I'll explain with me, but we live under God. Some of us do that, and we think, oh, we, we seek to control the world by, cons- by securing God's blessing through rituals, mor- morality, maybe going to church, or God, I fasted and prayed and gone to church, so then you got to say yes when I ask for things, right? We, we kind of put God in this box. Or we live over God. You know, we view uh, God as another way of viewing God. We, we have principles of the Bible. As long as I follow these principles, everything will be okay and there'll be no problems in my life. That's just bad theology. Or we live life from God. This is the health and wealth gospel. Amass enough wealth and health and popularity and you can insulate yourself from the calamities that other people have. Or this is my temptation, um, where I land at times, life for God. It's the older son and the prodigal. If I do enough for God, maybe I'll be a pastor, (laughs) help people and accomplish things for God, then God will bless and protect me. Each attempt to control our worlds is often to alleviate our fears. And yet God's desire is that we would not view him in these ways, but he wants us just to live life with him. I read that in a book, and I love that, life with God. These other ways leave us feeling like we're on a treadmill trying to do enough to win with God. But control is an illusion. It's the story of the man building his barns and filling them, huge barns with all this money, all this stuff, and then he dies after the barns are full. I was reading a book about Sabbath during the time I was applying for a bunch of jobs in government. Before I moved here, I was working for the provincial government in a temporary position, and I was applying for all these jobs, and uh, I was reading a book, and as I was studying for this, I was looking through, the, looking through a bunch of the books that I'd read on Sabbath, and I found this little note on the side of, this, of the page, and it said, um, 50 jobs and nothing. And, and I had to rest. And it, it was a challenge for me to rest. I was applying for a job, and I wasn't quite done on Saturday. And then the Sunday morning, I was tempted to, like, kind of finish that one more resume. You know, in government, I don't know if you're familiar, um, you kind of almost have to redo your resume every time you apply. So I had written, like, probably 30 to 40 resumes trying to apply for these 50 jobs. And uh, I was in the process of writing, and I didn't quite have it finished. I'm like, okay, I have to trust God. Instead of applying for that one more job that could have been the one that I got, I had to trust God, like, okay, I'm not going to apply for that job. I have to, like, leave it aside. I have to trust that God's got a job for me, whatever that looks like. It's an act of trust to say, I'm going to set aside some things for a day. I'm going to spend some time with you. And this, this writing in the, the side of the book, it reminded me of that. In the midst of the season, I knew I needed my Sabbath. Needs to rest and trust God. More than one more resume, which could have meant a job, I had to trust that God would set aside time to spend time with him, that I didn't need to do resume writing that day. Faith is the opposite of seeking control. It's surrendering control. Because control is an illusion. We've never had it, and we never will. The solution is life with God. Choosing not to take a Sabbath so you can control getting more money or doing more stuff or getting enough things done in your checklist is an illusion. You have to trust that God will be there, that he'll catch you no matter what comes the next day. Spending time with God on Sabbath means you're trusting God with your next week. 
Surrendering Sabbath to God is only possible if you trust God. If you let go of whatever you feel you have to do each week and believe God will catch you on the other side of, of your Sabbath. Do you trust God is with you? Do you trust God is with you and won't let you fall? As John said, 1 John 4, verse 17 uh, to 18, the beginning there, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we in this world, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Over and over again in Scripture, God says, fear not, God is with you. I read this story about trust from Henry Nouwen. Um, Nouwen observed a tra trapeze act and how everyone watches the flyer with amazement, the person flipping through the air and doing all these crazy things, right? The person soaring through the air is actually really not the star of the trapeze performance. While everyone's focused on the flyer's aerial maneuvers, they sometimes fail to see the maneuvers only possible because the flyer fully trusts that he will be caught Everything depends on the catcher. This led now into a new way of understanding his life with God. I can only fly freely when I know that there's a catcher there to catch me, he wrote. To more fully engage with this new metaphor for the Christian life, now and fitted himself with a harness and ascended up to the trapeze himself. Sixty-something former Yale and Harvard professor giggled as he flew through the air and was caught. And like a child, after each descent to the net, he asked if he could go up again. <laughs> so much fun. He knew he was safe and allowed any fears of heights or injury to be replaced with childish joy. He said this, If we are to take risks to be free in the air in life, we have to know there's a catcher. We have to know that when we come down from it all, we're going to be caught. We're going to be safe. The great hero is the least visible. Trust the catcher. Can you take a day off during the week and trust God will be there? I know for me, I could not take uh, Sundays off as a pastor because I was so busy with all things. I, I always endeavored to take a day off. I was chatting with a friend of mine about Sabbath, and he said to me, quoting, uh, again, someone today I don't remember, I'm getting the trend here, if you can't take a day off each week because of something, possibly that thing has become an idol in your life. It's become more important than God. In the creation narrative, when was man and woman created in the image and likeness of God? Oh, what day was that? Does anybody remember what day was the, the creation of humans? Man and woman. Anybody? Yeah? Day six. I heard something back there. That's right. Day six. So what was the first day of mankind's existence? Rest. God created us, and our first day of existence was to rest in the presence of God, to be with God. God, not to work or tend to the Garden of Eden, to rest in the presence of God. We start each week with the presence of God. It's meant to permeate all throughout the week. When we work for God and not for our boss or paycheck, we work for God. We start the next week with time with God, followed by work. Erwin Lutzer said this, maybe meeting on the first day of the week better symbolizes grace. We rest and then work. Then in the Old Testament, we rest because we have worked. Christ fulfills the Sabbath. We rest in him and then work for the glory of God. It's a little bit of a switch, but I think an important one. My message this week has been entitled Sabbath, to be or not to be. 
I hope you will consider making a day of rest each week part of your rhythm. Would you pray with me? I'm going to invite the worship team and the prayer partners to come forward as I pray, but if you can pray with me as I, as I close here. God, I believe that um, you created Sabbath, that there's a reason for it. And even though Sabbath looks a little bit different uh, for many of us, even though uh, when you sent Jesus, he seemed to change things a little bit, things are a little bit different. I believe, God, that, that Sabbath is a great opportunity for us to spend time with you, to get to know you, to be in a relationship with you. And I pray that there's people here that are, that are in a Sabbath, that this would be an encouragement to them to continue on in, in the daily or the weekly kind of rhythm of time with you. And if there's people here, God, that, um, that have never contemplated Sabbath, never contemplated taking a day of rest, or, or had done it and have got away with it, uh, gone away from it, that today they would be reminded of the goodness, the, the potential amazing opportunity that we have to spend time with you, to set aside all the list of things that we should be doing or could be doing or, or our list of ought-tos and lay hold of the get-tos, lay hold of the time to spend with our neighbors, to connect with them, to, to know them, to, to lay hold of time with our kids and just playing with them and enjoying their presence, to lay hold of the, the get-to things, the things that bring us life, and to lay hold of time with you, time in your word. You know, maybe it's Sunday for these people, God. I pray that they would spend the rest of this day putting aside all the lists and just spend time with you, spend time with the people around them, be in relationship. God, thank you for your word. You say it's like a double-edged sword and it cuts to bone and marrow. And I believe this is one of those places that we, I, at times, have gotten away with and away from. And I, I know many people here probably have too. May we rest in you today. May we spend each week starting off time with you that permeates the rest of our week, that changes the way we look at Sabbath, that we rest in you and that changes the way we live the rest of the week, that we're focused on you and that changes our work, that changes our, our play, it changes everything because of you. Help orient ourselves towards you, God, today. I ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Everybody agreed, said, amen, which means so be it, so be it. Thank you.